Welcome to the Eastman Dental Podcast, where we hope to inspire, motivate and provide education from our guests' experience. Joining us on the podcast this week is Jenny Grace. Originally, you qualified as a dental nurse and worked in a specialist private practice. Thinking back at that point to what I'd enjoyed most about being a hygienist and working in dentistry, and that was connection. You then went on and undertook several roles, um, first doing dental hygiene, then running your own business, and now you're a life coach. As part of my training to become a coach, I had to be coached. And that did feel a bit alien, but for me, I've discovered so much about my personality, who I am, and what authentically I want out of life. And I've never looked back. Quite a lot of different roles there, and we can't wait to explore those a little bit further. With your hosts, Josh Hudson and Julia Bruin. So, Jenny, if we think right back to the start of your dental career, so when you first started out as a dental nurse, if you were going to describe that period in three words, what three words would you use to describe it? Oh, my goodness, three words. That's so tough. Um, I think scary, okay, exciting, and learning, if that is even a word. I learned so much in those early days. Um, And that really set me up for my future career as a hygienist Mm -hmm. and for what I now do. So yeah, it was an exciting time. So scary, it's interesting. Why, tell us a bit more about why you chose scary. So it was scary. It was my first uh, full-time job Mm -hmm. coming out of college. Um, I was very shy, very young, very green. Um, Mm -hmm. And I went straight into this little practice, little private practice. It was a one-man band and they specialized in endo. Okay. And of course, you know, going in for my interview, I had no idea what endo was. They just kept saying this word endo and I thought, well, you know, <laughs> how bad can it be? So then to find out that that was endodontics and it was a root canal treatment, and we would spend hours in root canals yeah. and, you know, be measuring GP points and all sorts of things. Um, it was quite daunting but I loved it. Our patients were amazing. As well as having the endo side of it, we also um, had a, his, had our own patients. So there weren't that many of them, mm-hmm. but you got used to seeing people, you know, six monthly, um, 12 monthly, people kept coming back, coming with their families, recommending their friends. It was almost a, a place for social socializing, you know, in the waiting room, people would bump into friends that were local. So it was lovely, you know, getting that, feeling of seeing people routinely and regularly was amazing. But the hours of endo, (laughs) maybe a little bit dull, shall we say, but yeah, it was a good start. It got me into some really good habits. Um, And it was great to see a specialist really at work and see how passionate they were about what they did, about doing a good job for their patients. And that's what it's all about, so yeah. Exactly, yeah. And then an endodontist meets a periodontist and the periodontist starts working at the practice. Yeah. And you start working with that periodontist and then that eventually makes you decide to do dental hygiene training. 
Yeah, it was something very similar to that. Um, the endodontist was a guy called John Harker and he trained in the Navy, which is where he'd met Colin Priestland, who was our periodontist. So Colin came along just doing one day a month, it started, um, just some local perio referrals. Um, and that was crazy, really. It really opened my eyes to, to hygiene and to perio um, and that there was a real need uh, for educating our patients, for mm. looking after their mouths and for taking power, taking control of what they're doing um, in their own care. Working with Colin was just magnificent, really. He was so passionate about perio and it really came across in the way he spoke to his patients, the analogies that he used to explain um, gum disease and perio was just incredible. The patients hung off of his every word. And, you know, quite often I'd be like agog <laughs> looking at him thinking, my God, this so is So you amazing. then started seeing your own patients, obviously. How did that feel then to be on the other side when you'd qualified as a hygienist and were now seeing your own patients? How well, did that feel? the bar was set pretty high by yeah, having worked imagine. with the periodontist like that. Um, I really tried to give everything that Colin gave, but of course it's impossible for a hygienist because of the time restraints. Um, I think when you're training, you're in this lovely bubble, aren't you really, of you're protected by the clinic, by your tutors. Everyone is there to help you. Yeah. But when you're on out, you know, in general practice on your own, it's so different. You've you've got to keep yourself to time. Um, there's no nurse, you know, clock watching for. Well, there wasn't when I first started hygiene. You had to. Yeah, that's been a get, wonderful COVID mm -hmm. um, positivity, uh, yeah. isn't it? That that, that whole so issue about people now working with a bit more support. So that that's yeah. If we can say that's a lovely thing that's come out of COVID in dentistry. That's one of the things oh, I opened up. It must be so lovely to have somebody else with you in the room, bit of support and backup. Um, but yeah, that's it was challenging, I think, trying to be able to explain to patients about gum disease, what was happening for them, what they needed to do to use those same analogies to get people on board was tricky because of the time. And then, of course, you, you've got to do a bit of scaling. We're always told you've got to scale, you've got to do as much as you can in the time. So I found that tricky. But as time went on, I mean, I was a hygienist for almost 20 years. So I knew exactly where I was going with it and what I was doing, treating my patients. So doing something in 30 minutes was fine. I did, could quickly get to the point, but I wasn't giving the point I really wanted to give. So I think that's that's really interesting. So you said you did hygiene for nearly 20 years mm. and then there must have come a point where you decided for whatever reason, and we can explore that a little bit, that you wanted to do something different. So can you tell us a little bit more about that kind of realization that you didn't want to necessarily do hygiene anymore and then what you went on to do after that yeah i'd always been very proud to be a hygienist really proud of what i'd achieved and what i'd done for 20 years but over time i found it harder and harder to do what i wanted to do to be able to give the patients what i wanted to give i felt so many of the practices that i was working in and had worked in the focus wasn't on the patient. It was about the patients getting them in, getting them out, getting them to pay for their fees, moving them on. 
Um, and that wasn't what I wanted. That's not why I became a hygienist. It wasn't to generate money. Of course, it's, you know, it's an income. We all need to earn money. But it wasn't to put pressure on people to have treatment or to get them in, get them out. It wasn't a conveyor belt. I wanted to be able to give a lot more than I was giving. So I was becoming a bit disillusioned with it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, things had changed a bit in my personal life as well. Um, my mom died in 2015 and that had had a massive effect on me personally. Prior to that, my dad had died four years earlier. He'd had Alzheimer's. So a lot of the time we'd been caring for him my mum's health declined and so things just got tricky and I just felt after she had died I need to do something different I need to do something for me so I came out of dentistry in 2016 and I didn't really know what I wanted to do I just knew I wanted something different so I think everybody can resonate with that, yeah, can't definitely. they? I think that there are definite moments in everybody's career. I mean, we're we're talking about dentistry at the moment. We could be talking about anything, couldn't we? Absolutely. That, that people Absolutely. have those moments where they sit back and really think, "Hey, what's going on in life?" Yeah, what's this all about? Mm. Exactly. Especially when there's been a number of things which obviously happen with yourself as For well. For sure. And I was quite fortunate then. My husband had a building company and he needed support administratively. So I took that on that role, which meant I could be at home. Mm -hmm. um, both my kids were at school then, uh, one doing A-levels, the other approaching their GCSEs. So it just made sense that I was around at home for them and I could just concentrate a bit on me. So I did that for a little while and then thought, you know, this isn't all it's cracked up to be. I'm a bit, bit bored now. I need to find something else. And so that's when um, I took on the sandwich up, which again was completely different. I thought it's an opportunity to get out, to meet people again. Um, and I really enjoyed baking. So I thought, you know, I can do my bakes, I can sell cakes as well and just make sandwiches. And the opportunity came up to rent this, um, it's a static van on an industrial estate. So most of my customers were were builders or, you know, sales reps, that sort of thing. So the hours were long, you know, it was had to be there at half a six in the morning to get set up and, you know, and it sort of dragged on into the afternoon and it wasn't financially, it wasn't that lucrative as fun as it was and as much as I enjoyed it it wasn't as fulfilling as I wanted it to be and I you know that little connection the brief connection with a customer coming for a sandwich or a, you know a coffee that little bit of a chat was everything to me and I thought hang on there's something I'm missing here and thinking back at that point to what I'd enjoyed most about being a hygienist and working in dentistry, and that was connection with other people. And, you know, getting to know people on a regular basis, it's the same, you know, in a, in a coffee shop where you've got customers coming in for their coffee, you know your regulars. Um, you're like, hi, how are you? What are you up to today? And it was it, that's how it was for me. 
And it had been like that as a hygienist, you know, people coming every two months, every three months, every six months, or even just passing people in the reception who'd come to see the dentist maybe and, you know, stop for a quick chat. And that's what I loved, that connection. So I thought, what can I do? I don't want to go back into dentistry again. I want something that's going to give me that connection with other people. And that connection beautifully, you know, fits into what you're doing now, which is life coaching. So perhaps tell us about what that involves, really, for those people who aren't familiar with those um, Mm. facilities and opportunities of being with somebody um, like yourself, like a life coach. So life coaching is all about you. It's all about the client. It's exactly what they want. It's their stuff. It's something that mustn't be confused with counselling or therapy. It's completely different, although it is focused around the client. It's open to everybody. So everyone has a desire or a dream, a hope, something they aspire to. And it's tapping into that and looking at your life in every area and finding out what it is that you want to change, that you want to make a difference. And then it's working together in the coaching partnership to get you from where you are now to where you want to be. can be quite a scary thing though, change, can't it, for for people? It's incredibly scary, yeah. And I think that's what deters a lot of people from having coaching um, or from looking into it because they're not sure what it's going to throw up. Mm-hmm. There is an uncertainty and a yeah. hesitancy about what's going to come up. As part of my training to become a coach, I had to be coached. And that did feel a bit alien. But for me, I've discovered so much about my personality, who I am, and what authentically I want out of life. And I've never looked back from that moment. And it's something that I will keep doing is keep having a coach myself because it pushes you on. It pushes you forward to reach those goals that otherwise may just stay as a pipe dream. So what does that have interest? What does that look like in terms of the coaching? Is that kind of a regular meetings over a long period or how does it practically um, work out? Yeah, I mean, what I do firstly is I arrange to have eight sessions with a client and that can be on a weekly basis or a fortnightly, whatever really fits in with them. It's better if we can um, do it on a weekly basis because the more regularly you see somebody and you work on what they're trying to get towards, the more momentum that picks up. So it's generally about a 90 minute session, certainly no less than that that we have each week and we'll just come together and talk about where they are, where they're getting to, setting some actions for the next time. But yeah, some often there's a lot of really deep work that goes on to find out what it is that's making you tick to get you going forward, yeah. I mean, you you sound very lucky that you found your place that in your new career. But what sort of advice would you give somebody who's trying to get out of that work rut, that whole, I'm not quite sure what to do, I'm not sure whether I want to stay in dentistry, Mm. retrain, do anything. This podcast really is designed to help people look at things in a slightly different way. 
So what sort of advice would you give a, a colleague who came to you, not necessarily for life coaching, but just actually how to get out of a rut that they are currently going through? You need to look at the fundamentals and that's what do you want? What would make the biggest difference for you in that moment? What needs to change? You need to strip back um, and really focus on yourself, not about the shoulds or the shouldn'ts, what other people expect or what other people are wanting from you. It's about you. It's about what you want. You've got to strip right back to that. And perhaps be a little bit selfish because I think, you know, we're in healthcare, aren't we? And being a bit selfish and stripping back to yourself is perhaps not always something that people feel terribly comfortable about. Absolutely. But there's nothing selfish about that. It's Selfish is a tricky word, isn't it? I think because if you're selfish, then that's you put yourself first and self only. Okay. If you're being selfish, then it's putting yourself first. You know, like if you're on the airplane and the oxygen marks drop down, they tell you, don't they? Sort yourself out first before you can help anyone else. And that's exactly what you need to do. It's important and it's necessary. Must always take care of yourself. I think that's something we keep coming back to in terms of all of the conversations that we've had. Is from a dental point of view, you can't provide the best care for your patients unless you're in the the right position Absolutely, to do that yeah. yourself. So no, that's very true. It's definitely something that needs to be considered. Yeah, I think it's really interesting drawing some parallels between yourself and some uh, of the other people that we've spoke to, and generally finding those things in your career that you enjoy and then pursuing those things. And it seems like for yourself, it was that communication, that speaking to people, right back to the start, you were saying about the socializing in that first dental practice and then having that with the sandwich hut and now doing that now. So how has all of that previous dental experience kind of impacted your ability to now be a life coach? Is there a link between those two? Oh, for sure, there's a massive link. Um, you know yourself, when you have your patients, they come in, you lay them down. There's something about that where they feel like they're laying on a couch, don't they, with their, with their um, psychotherapist or somebody, and they open up to you, don't they? People, patients rather, are in a, a vulnerable position. When you lay them back, you're working in their mouths. You don't know what's going on, do you, as the patient? You can't see. You've got to put your trust in your clinician, haven't you? And yeah. I think that's what my clients do when they come to see me for coaching. They want to have a safe space where they can be vulnerable, they can open up, they can share things with me that they probably haven't shared with anybody ever. Um, and that is such a privileged place to be, is to have that. And I think that that's one of the very similar things with dentistry is that you have that trust. Also, um, you're used to dealing with lots of anxious, nervous patients. So you have to have the ability to put people at their ease, yeah. to give them a sense of comfort. And I, I know I do give that to people. Um, and that's something that I got from being in dentistry and I think more from working in hygiene. On the flip side of that, is there anything that you miss from dentistry? So you've taken that component forward to your new role, but is there anything that 
you've maybe left behind that you you miss from being a hygienist? This is such a good question. Um, gosh, what do I miss? Not the all of that I plaque miss. and all of that calculus. <laughs> I'm not sure I missed that. <laughs> I do miss the intricacy of the job, though. The actual, the using the instruments and the satisfaction of removing subgingival calculus from a pocket. Um, yeah, I do miss that, but that's it really. That is it. I'm still in touch with a lot of my colleagues. Um, although we don't often talk teeth these days, we talk about other things. <laughs> but um, yeah, I do miss the in intricacy of it. Yeah, that sort of work and the delicateness. Um, I think be working in somebody's mouth is a massive skill, isn't it? Being able to get to all the nooks and crannies. Definitely. And I feel that took a lot of years to get that right, to be able to see those, you know, those upper eights and to get your scalar behind them. But um, yeah, I do, I do miss that actually, I think. Yeah, working in I, I think though you, you, you sort of said about it being a, a privilege and being in a very trusted position with your life coach clients. And I think, like you say, that that's a very similar situation in dentistry, isn't it? Isn't and, it? And also we, we see our patients grow. So you mm. must see your clients grow um, in a way that, you know, I, we have anything from children coming to see us to, to obviously the whole range of people, but, but yours are growing really very, very deeply. And yeah, I, I'm in guessing- a way. Yeah, mm. that, that must be very, very rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. It's it is slightly different to dentistry. I just had a thought then that um, because you're seeing people year in year out on you for dentistry, hoping that they'll come back to the practice and come back to you. But for life coaching, I could be coaching somebody for six months, a year, maybe longer term than that. But at some point, it will come to an end. They will go off on their own, and that for me is tough. It's an ending. I've been part of their life, I've helped them, but it is time to let them go. But you don't have that so much in dentistry, do you? I think a patient is often loyal to you for as long as they're in that area, maybe, or, yeah. you know. So that's that's different, but the connection is deeper, but all the relationships are valid. I, I know that you're not necessarily in the dental world now, but if you if you think back to that time or even now currently do you think there's anything in the dental world that we should be either doing or stop doing i mean do you think there's anything out there that we we could learn from from your side of things with being a coach yeah definitely again it's all about coming back to what you want and the outcomes that you want really i think within practices you have to think what's best for your staff and treat everybody as an individual to get the, the best out of everybody and to really make sure that you are giving value to your patients because that's what it's all about, isn't it? That's what we're all taught is that the most important person in the dental surgery is the patient. And I don't think that's always remembered. And I think that's something that needs to be addressed. So I understand that during the pandemic, you kind of changed your role 
a little bit again and, and, and started doing something different. So can you tell us a little bit of, about what you got up to during the pandemic? Yeah, so I was working on the call centre on the 119 um, line for Public Health England. So obviously as COVID came around, I couldn't keep going with the sandwich hut any longer. So everything would shut down. And I was very fortunate, a friend of mine said, oh, look, if you're looking for some work, I know that there's this, you know, this NHSX contract coming up, are you interested? So I thought, oh yeah, you know, I'll give it a go. But yeah, goodness me, that was overwhelming. It was a surreal time for all of us. Um, but yeah, it was it was very odd. So obviously working at home um, through my computer, hundreds of calls a day from worried citizens, people who were really sick, phoning for advice. Um, really, we were, it was set up just as the testing line. So that's all we were supposed to be doing was booking appointments, helping citizens who weren't able to use a computer to book an appointment to go for a test or to have a home delivery. But it was so much more than that. People rang for advice, asking us questions about all sorts of things, about symptoms, what mm. to do. It just, it grew legs. And as you know, yeah, each but I day, think the whole of COVID grew legs, didn't it? <laughs> I mean, let's sure, be honest, it, you know, sure. I, I don't think, um, I, I mean, I, this COVID story, I think is is one that we're going to, you know, look back in time and say, wow, all of these things that, that went on. But it sounds like an amazing project you were part of. Oh, goodness me. Yes, it was massive. It was, I, there's never going to be anything else like it, I don't think. Well, I hope not in my lifetime <laughs> yes. anyway. Well, I think but, we probably all agree with that. <laughs> things changed day to day. You know, as new government advice came out, things were changing sometimes by the hour. We were all, you know, suddenly that an emergency email came through. You mustn't say this anymore. You must say this. This is what we're doing now. Um, it was quite bizarre to be working so closely with something that was government-led. Um, quite eye-opening, really. Oh, I, I can imagine. Extraordinary. I mean, and actually, you know, if we think about um, COVID and dentistry, if you'd said to me, we're still going to be wearing big masks and lots of plastic aprons and all that sort of stuff more than two years on, I would have said, don't be so utterly ridiculous. I mean... I know crazy times I remember actually um, messaging one of my hygiene friends saying my goodness what's happening in dentistry what what are you doing she said oh I just I don't think we're going to work for three months and then we'll just go back to normal well I remember talking to a patient literally the week before we closed down and I said to her something she'd sort of said to me oh do you think this is COVID do you think it's going to be quite a big thing and I'm like no no thinking Oh, well, let's just see. <laughs> but I thought, no, I'll try and, let's try and be positive. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I think, but but a wonderful, you know, chink to your armour to do that, because I'm sure, like you said, you saw many, many things um, in your time of helping out on that line. Absolutely. It was such a surreal time for everybody. Things changed from one day to the next. So from a point of view of working on the 119 line, there were so many different callers that rung, people with families, people on their own who were sick. We had foreign people that we had to instigate the language line for. It was just so difficult. You didn't know 
what type of call you were going to get from one moment to the next. Yeah, it I could can, be somebody I, I imagine. just wanting advice or somebody who was fighting for breath at the other end of the phone and really needed help. So yeah, it was enormously challenging. And a lot of angry, frustrated people that couldn't get their appointments, couldn't get their results. Yeah. Do do you think that COVID has made many people reflect? I mean, I, I we hear about it all of the time, but you may have experienced it firsthand as a life coach that these last couple of years have really made people reevaluate, reset for sure their their lives and and therefore themselves um, for the future. Yeah, it's definitely been a pivotal point, I think, for many, many people. I think the people, many people being able to work from home, that's changed a lot of what happens, you know, on people's commute, what people want to do. It's, yeah, it's massive. It's at the bottom, I think, of a lot of what I see clients. Yeah, I mean, actually, are, we've yeah. done teledentistry, haven't we? Who 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 would have thought you could actually do dentistry via the telephone? But <laughs> indeed, this hospital has conducted many, many appointments. You know, if you're waiting back on a biopsy result or, you know, just even having an initial consultation before uh, the patient coming in for radiographic examination or anything like that. So, you know, yeah, mm. the working from home thing has definitely... Uh, the tentacles of that have gone far and wide, hasn't it? Absolutely. It's really changed the way that we live our lives, hasn't it? I think it's been a big reset. And I, I guess, I don't know whether you see that in your life coaching, whether people are seeing that as a reset and maybe that period has kind of energised people to actually think, I want to do something differently. And then maybe uh, coming to you and, and trying to pursue those things that maybe they wouldn't have pursued if they hadn't had that kind of Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely a time for change. And I think people have seen it that way and taken it that way. A time to reevaluate what's going on in their lives and, and to change that. Yeah, definitely a pivotal point. So taking all of that into account, thinking back to the start where we asked you the three words to describe your initial stages of your career. If we asked you for three words to describe where you're at now, what three words would you use? fun it's a lot of fun doing what i do um connection because that's what it's all about is connecting with others and building on those relationships and exciting because i don't know where this journey for me is going to end or where it's going to go to next it's such an exciting journey and an exciting path to be on that yeah it's brilliant i love it it's great. And that follows on to what is next. Do you have any plans, anything that's going to change in the future? Or are you happy to kind of carry on where you are at the moment and no more career changes? I'm really happy with where I am at the moment. And I can't see that changing a great deal. Although there's other strings I'd like to add to my bow. Mm -hmm. I'm really interested in following part of my career as a counsellor. So that's something else that I might look at in the future. But for now, I'm really happy with what I'm doing with my clients, definitely giving them the very best that I can. And all my experiences to date have helped me on that journey to be able to do that. 
So I'm working on a group program at the moment that I want to bring to the masses for self-awareness and self-development. And we'll see what comes of that. So it's a very exciting time. Well, we're thrilled to have you on this episode. So thank you very much for coming. Thank you so much. I've loved it. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode. We would love to hear your suggestions for future guests. Remember to follow us on social media using hashtag the Eastman Dental Podcast. And if you like what you hear, please like, share, subscribe and listen out for future episodes. Mm -hmm.